welcome to North American Egg Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. Today, we have a remarkable guest who's at the forefront of revolutionizing agriculture. With over two decades of experience in biotechnology and gene silencing, he's a visionary leader in the movement of modernizing crop protection. His passion for safeguarding the global food supply and the environment has really driven a development of a platform called Agrizome. Agrizome, developed by Trillium Ag, represents the future of crop protection, leveraging innovative RNA interference, RNAi technology, to target and combat agriculture's most stubborn pests. From Seattle, Washington, I'd like to welcome co-founder and CEO of Trillium Ag, Todd Hauser. Welcome, Todd, and thank you so much for being here today. Hi, Chrissy. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure for uh, Trillium to get a chance to speak to you today. Yeah, awesome. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I, I don't know anything about this. I don't know much about anything, I guess, but I love asking questions and I love learning about ag tech. So, so I'm excited. Likewise. So can you start off by sharing your personal journey what inspired your transition from advertising to the field of agriculture and biotechnology? Well, it's kind of a unexpected story, I suppose you'd say, but I was uh, creative uh, traditionally and in the field of advertising for many, many years. And there was a moment in my life, my personal life, where I had just come to the conclusion that I wanted to make a difference and do something that had a contribution to for for the world. And it led me into biotechnology, which led me then, uh, years later, into agricultural biotechnology. And I'm proud to say that I sleep well at night and love what I do and feel it's uh, very fitting for me to be able to add my creative kind of history to science and then apply it to agricultural technology. I grew up near farms in, in okay. Illinois. Mm -hmm. um, surrounded by corn, uh, as you know, Illinois is, and yes. um, then ventured into the West Coast, a long way from that, uh, where I spent the remainder of my uh, adult life and found it kind of profound that I ended up back working with corn and crops, mm. and, you know, gone full circle and so, so speak. So. Right. So why is now such a critical time for uncovering new crop protection strategies? You know, there's a lot of big winds blowing on in the needs for crop protection. There is, you know, climate change. There is, there is every 20 years or so the need for growers to have a new industrial workhorse that protects crops. We've all enjoyed the benefits of BT and cryotoxins for many years and the, and the protections it's, it's offered. There's also been synthetic chemistries used in farming, but you can see that there are trends that are making those workhorses no longer relevant, whether it's the acquired resistance problems that have, that have been um, up on the upswing, or if it's regulatory pressures that are determining that a lot of chemistries that were used in growing in the past aren't safe for or sustainable for, for crops. You know, so mm -hmm. there are changes um, that we're just part of. You know, it's not like something we cause, but we're definitely in those winds. And my technology, our technology that we developed is right in the center of those new winds that are blowing. It's sustainable, it's versatile, durable, and you know, potentially quite affordable. And you know, traditionally um, in the world of uh, biologicals where we exist, it's been snake oil. The efficacy of, 
of a biological is always been less than a synthetic. And through innovation in science, I think we're going to see that not only can it be on par, it can be in many cases more efficacious and within a lens of sustainability, which is everything, you know, sustainability and affordability and and being versatile and um, yet remaining active, highly active is important. And it's, I think, something that a biological has never been able to truly represent. But, you know, we're way up in the development lifecycle of products that are coming for agriculture. And I can already see across the board, not just at Trillium, but at other companies too, there's exciting new technologies coming for growers that are going to set a new era for biologicals. And I think that that, that reputation of being less efficacious or being um, less durable uh, will go by the wayside. Right. Yeah. And you're right about the um, the biologicals market and even the carbon markets where, you know, farmers will sit and talk about how do we actually measure it? Right. How do we know yeah. if it's if 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 there's any difference? Right. So you're right. You you have to um, you have your work cut out for you in really sh- showing those benefits. Right. It, it does. And it's it's actually in our DNA. It's, the entire company here is focused on on the convergence of these best traits. Like, what does a grower truly need? They do need sustainability. They do need affordability. It has to work. And it has to, for biologicals, which is the most challenging, it has to be durable. It has to be something they can throw in a barn. There's not going to be a farmer who says, yeah, I've got uh, 60 negative 80 freezers in the barn. That's not possible. So biologicals inherently have challenges. But technology is catching up with solving these challenges. I think if you look at Mother Nature, Mother Nature solved the biological problem the best. That's where we look for inspiration and we're we're chasing her her design efforts so that we can build biologicals that are just as efficacious and durable as you what you see in nature. Yeah, great points. And so tell us about the found founding of Trillium Ag. What's your mission behind creating this um, more sustainable approach to farming? Yeah, it really comes down to a where we started, and that's in the field of RNAi, which is gene silencing. This was a big field, and it's a it's a ubiquitous mechanism that exists in all eukaryotic cells. So it doesn't exist in bacteria, but it exists in plants and insects, animals, even humans. And I had a background in pharmaceutical development, uh, where I originally developed this technology and the patents that went into this. But the challenges in agriculture are diverse and unique in the sense that there are many organisms and there are also many challenges to what's called bioavailability, how well a biological can get to the organism to do its its job. And that's where Trillium's innovation comes in. Not only are we providing RNAi to um, insects, but traditionally RNAi never worked in the majority of insects. And so we enabled it to work and then we saw it started solving stability issues. And I think what really makes Trillium unique in terms of its contribution to the product of the future for growers is that we combine proteinaceous modalities with RNA-driven modalities to, re- to end up with a product which is much more durable, much higher activity level by the combination of stacked modes of action. And that's not something that's typically been done with biological. So there are many kind of features with, with our technology that have allowed us to develop some unique 
attributes that I think growers haven't had in their hands yet. And I'm excited that in the coming years, they will finally be able to get some of these in their hands, whether it's by seed trade or topical. Um, some of these biological technologies that we're developing are, are ubiquitous and will help them in their diverse insect crop protection needs, as well as herbicidal needs, and maybe, you know, someday sprayable traits too. It's, you know, once you're, once you're locked in to a, a biological zone, you can do a tremendous amount of, uh, you can add a tre tremendous amount of features to a product that weren't possible before. And all naturally derived. Wow. Yeah. So can you break it down and explain exactly what RNA interference is and how it does play this role in crop protection and maybe distinguish between the topical uh, and otherwise? Yeah, so that's a good question. That's a good point. Yeah, so RNAi is a is a gene silencing um, mode that's part of the immune response to viral infections. Okay. So all organisms have this response. Uh, a eukaryotic organism organisms have this response to viruses, and so viruses have what's called a dsRNA intermediate to their replication life cycle, which triggers the immune system to deactivate the virus. It was discovered many years ago in 1999 by Andrew Fire and his team that you could utilize this technology and target genes that are required for, that might be contributing to a disease or required for fitness of an insect. And you can turn that, me that mechanism against a particular disease target, disease gene and reduce the disease. Or in the case of, of Trillium, we reduce the gene that causes the integrity of the insects you got. And so they feel, they feel um, or their integrity decreases, so their cells start to be less, less durable against bacterial infection. So we, we make them succumb to the natural forces that are already working against them. So we don't build a toxin per se, we just sort of reduce its the insect's ability to compete against fungal and bacterial infections that will um, cause it to be sick and not eat a plant. So it's yeah. it's sort of a an interesting natural way to go about it without building something that's toxic to the world. Right. So it's it's part of the insect, not the plant. It is. There are these modes of action do occur in the plant, but okay. they're different. The triggers are different. Mm -hmm. So the one thing that's unique also about Trillium that uh, this long dsRNA that's been tried in agriculture many times is um, inefficacious in. in it's inactive against many insects because of bioavailability challenges, but also there is a, what's called specificity challenge where the technology needs to be very specific to a given target gene. And insects and plants have completely different genomes. So you can target plants like herbicide weeds, you can target Palmer amaranth, or um, you can target insects like Lepidoptera and Hemiptera. And those products are specific and only work in one particular organism. Have no efficacy, no activity in, in an off-target organism. And all these features, all these modes of action that we utilize, there's no genetic changes. We're not doing anything permanent to any insect. We're just okay. turning a message down temporarily. And that's, I think, a beautiful part of this. Yeah. Wow. So, can you tell us about Trillium Eggs AgriZone platform? and share how it addresses and solves these challenges that have hindered prior RNAi-derived crop protection attempts. Yeah, so yeah, prior RNAi attempts have worked under the assumption that if you made dsRNA and you sprayed it on a crop, the insects would eat it and it would naturally do its thing. Unfortunately, that's not reality. 
the RNA doesn't naturally go to its target cell or have a, a way to even get into the target cell. And there are only two insects uh, within one class of insects that even were susceptible to that approach. That left out about 88% of all economically valuable insects that farmers care about. So huge modality, could it reach its, its commercial potential? And so what agrizone is, is the reinvention of RNAi as a modality, but in a completely different way that allowed us to wrap the RNA with different proteins, similar to how nature does with a capsid on a virus or, or a different, uh, what's called an endosome. Anyway, we can take our RNA, wrap it with any number of proteins that can allow this RNA then can, to get into a specific insect gut cell, whether that's a lepidopter, hemiptera, or coleoptera, which are huge pests like fall armyworm and stink bugs and, and um, western corn rootworm. And so these challenges of delivery are what Trillium brings that have never existed before. Wow. Yeah. Wow, amazing. And so what makes this 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 platform more effective, adaptable, scalable, um, while providing this sustainable solution. Thank you. Yes, the interesting thing about this reinvention of RNAi is mm -hmm. that it is a combination of RNA and proteins, and that's it. So that means we're naturally derived, and that allows us to be biomanufactured in very scalable and affordable manners. Okay, a sustainable and natural product, but also support seed trait and the and the seed trait business so there can be seeds that have the traits or we can be topical so it's a it's a versatile platform that goes across both markets and the compositions are nearly limitless so that we can target fall armyworm and hemiptera with completely opposite compositions but use the same methodology and that's also very unique about our our technology and the company Right. So can you share some success stories or any case studies that kind of highlight this impact of the, of yes, the technology? I think just if you were look at um, RNAi as a whole, or if you looked at Nemiptera, like uh, stink bug, or you look at Lepidopter, fall armyworm in particular is a $37 billion problem. Right. To have RNAi even working in that insect is an accomplishment. To have it actually working and hindering that insect is a, another accomplishment. And we've got some uh, material in in the lab in development now that I think answer not just the efficacy challenges for fall armyworm, but also provide a durability to a product that a farmer can just stick in a bag in a barn for a year and utilize it when they want. So answering all the biological, the vertical needs, all the way down to the grower with a sustainable, safe, naturally derived product that answers some that provides modes of action that they haven't had before. And so that's a success story. And that's probably going to be one of our flagship developments. Wow, nice. And can you elaborate on the collaboration efforts you've had with industry leaders and academic partners? Yes, of course. Trillium's a small company and we're focused on the kind of molecular biology side of our developments. Agriculture is a big market. It's a big, a big field. Getting to retailers, to get to farmers, getting through distri distribution, getting through regulatory. Of course, we're not planning to do that alone. We do it through collaborations. We work with big multinationals. We work with uh, smaller ag companies uh, in in the, in the crop protection space. 
collaborative collaborations are central to this company and we want this technology and platform to be widely available to all companies and through and dis distributed widely and available to growers so that we can have impact and provide benefits to growers and and the food chain and, and food supply and food security in a safe and sustainable manner and i think that um, it might take years for many of these products to get to these growers, but I'm excited this far up in the life cycle of that development process that we're seeing such innovation and we're seeing such unique uh, characteristics and features that I think will come down commercially and be available affordably and sustainably to growers in the future. Very good. And what other bioagriculture products is Trillium Ag currently re researching and developing? Like, what can we see coming up? Yeah, I mean, we have dreams. You know, crop protection, mm -hmm. insect crop protection is is where we are and what our focus is. But we do have dreams about um, also doing the same thing for the herbicidal needs uh, against uh, plant pet, plant plant pests. But um, you know, ultimately, I would like to see the abilities for us to contribute to farmers in other ways too with biostresses and be able to adapt quickly with the sprayable traits so that we can deliver certain traits that a grower might need um, in a product line that can go quickly to market. So it can adapt quickly to climate change needs, but potentially provide some of these, um, some alternatives to sea trait products, which you know take more than a decade to develop. And so there is the potential that a sprayable trait is in the future um, using our technology and and I think other folks are working on it as well. So, and it's all to the benefit of growers. Oh, very good. And so Neil Gutterson, former Corteva CTO, joined Trillium Ag's board of directors. So how does his expertise enhance your goals? Oh man, does he, he affects us in just about every way. I mean, yeah. there are a few, few people that can talk science at the deep, at a deep level, and then understand the business implications and how it translates to the benefits of growers. And Neil Gutterson is one of those folks. And so he's been just such an asset and inspiration for me personally, but an asset to the company overall. And I expect that, you know, these are the kinds of folks we want to shape this big technology as we go forward. And even with the, uh, we've recently added uh, David Fishoff, who's kind of widely known as the, the father of agrobiotechnology. And I think likewise, he's another um, executive with deep, deep scientific knowledge. And uh, both of these individuals are driven to provide benefits to growers. They truly, truly care about food security and a, a grower's life. And, and it's not just being affordable or efficacious, it's about meeting all the needs uh, that these growers have. So we have this focus, whether it's topical or, or in David Fishoff's case, um, with his deep knowledge on, on trait development in, in Planta. Wow. And so a kind of a fun fact about you, you're a father, um, a father of eight, correct? I am. I have, yeah. I have had eight children. Yes. I have a lot of kids. I'm very busy. Yeah, I guess. So how has that experience uh, influenced your perspective on agriculture, sustainability, importance of a secure food supply. It's everything. I mean, at the end of the day, this is for this is for my kids. This is for all children. This is for a better world going forward. This is for making that contribution and getting things shifting towards sustainability and safety away from systemic chemistries. And 
I care deeply about it. And of course I care deeply about it because I want my kids to have a, a, a beautiful world to live in. Um, you know, that's um, of course my inspiration, but even even other other there's other secondary benefits where I think the influence of Trillium on my children has been surprising. And I think I might have two new scientists that will be coming to the world. So yeah. <laughs> just, for, just for them having grown up around it, Mm-hmm. Um, they care deeply about the things we we do at Trillium, and also they're taking an interest in, and also making their own contribution or applying their own creativity in the future. So I would like to see that. And if anything, if I leave any contribution, that's probably the best contribution I can make is for my children to be inspired and become scientists and, and care about the world. Sam, amazing. And you are often a guest lecturer. So, what key messages do you emphasize when you're talking about? Uh, bioagriculture to students and industry p- professionals? Yeah, that's a good question. And I am privileged sometimes to make these talks to younger younger um, emerging professionals. It's, I think, summed up is be creative and never give up. And I think that's what's driven what's been a complicated and challenging career for myself, not having some of the traditional education that you might expect from a scientist, but being trained in the field. It's about being creative, open-minded, and never, ever, ever give up. And that's what drives us and drives me. So, Oh, very cool. And what advice do you give to aspiring entrepreneurs and scientists that, like you, are looking to make a positive impact in the egg sector? You know, I think it's it's apply a lens that carries the best values forward and apply that lens to every step you take as an entrepreneur. For us, there's a lens, as I mentioned, on sustainability and versatility, durability and affordability. This lens shapes every choice we make. Mm-hmm. And for any entrepreneur to define that lens first and then use that as they view their their decisions forward, like when they take their, their decisions and, and take their steps forward through that lens, make sure it always fits. Right. And switching gears a little bit, especially in the last few years, there's been a lot of fear instilled in the general general public about biotech mm-hmm. um, and ag tech and that they often say risks outweigh benefits. But so what do you say to those people who aren't ready yet to adopt this this new way? You know, I will admit, I think I was maybe one of those folks when I first started in in biotechnology and the science uh, was scary. It is scary. It's complicated. But knowledge is actually, knowledge sets you free. When you realize that what you might have been afraid of or concerned about is really based on it, it's just, it's unfamiliar, uncomfortable with it. But as you learn about it, and you realize what's really going on, like in nature and, and how biological systems really work. And you compare that to maybe systemic chemistry, biological is safe. And it's a, it's a sustainable and, and synergistic way to approach any problem, whereas synthetic chemistries really are concerning and more, they have more of a kind of less specific unnatural way of behaving, of uh, interacting. And that, to me, um, helped me overcome some concerns I had about biologicals. But everything we design at Trillium has a focus on safety, has a focus on 
on embodying natural modes of action, not introducing something unnatural to systems, and not affecting natural systems. I mean, it's about synergy. And so that's also important. So not all biotechnology is equivalent. They're not all the same. There are different ways of doing different things. But I think knowledge is power and helps people be able to identify when a biotechnology does fit and does synergize with nature versus when it may not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I often think about this well, a lot in the last few years, too, is where where is our line? You know, I love ag tech. I love all of the things that are coming out. I, I also don't want to play God. So where where do you where in your opinion where is the line i don't know where that line is well first and foremost there won't ever be a biological that comes to market that isn't safe there's too many regulatory and safety risk analyses studies that that take place mm-hmm. um, to allow that so it is there's a lot of hurdles that have to be jumped and a lot of boxes have to be checked before product ever gets to market but when it comes to what you mentioned playing god or not playing god everything we try to do is is as it mentioned sustain as is synergistic and impermanent we don't make permanent changes to any in like insect or plant that we're applying a technology to and if we do make and support a seed trait that did insert a gene into a plant it's a plant that is highly controlled or is not something that's out in the wild right so it's there are different classifications of impact, right? So whether you put a gene into a plant that has no effect on the plant or its food web uh, relying on that plant, I don't see the problem in that. But if you are introducing something that does present a problem downstream, then of course that is something I wouldn't agree with. And I don't think you'll ever see it. I don't think think uh, the FDA would ever allow the USDA ever allow a product on the market that is unsafe for off-target insects, other plants, and of course, human consumption. So it's it's um, there are a lot of great minds and scientists working on safe solutions. And it's not about bio- biotechnology, it's about appropriate and relevant biotechnology, right? So it's not just any biotechnology. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really quite incredible, and it's it is complicated, but it's also there's a, there's a parsimony that occurs. It does get simple, in the sense that, I mean, again, looking back to nature, nature does things so beautifully and elegantly, and the best we can do to mimic and fit into that, that's our goal. I mean, that's we we just try to fit right into that, and that's how we make less of a negative impact on nature. Right, that makes sense. And so I have one last question for you. Why why do you serve this industry? You've touched on a lot of your your points of passion here, but what are you the most passionate about uh, every day when you wake up? Yeah, that's it's I am driven by the creative the need of a creative solution in the space. Mm-hmm. Growers put their lives and their livelihoods up at stake every season. So I respect that. And they deserve the best technology, the best approach, the safest approach. And if I can see that I can make a contribution to these folks that put so much on the line, I want to do it. And so they've inspired me to provide something to them based on my expertise that I can contribute. 
hopefully I'm successful in making that contribution in at least part of the ways we anticipate. But it does come from growers. It does come from the need that all food, I believe that all food should be safe. There shouldn't be classifications of food, should all be nutritious and available and affordable. And we want to make that contribution so that can be so. Very cool. And where can people find you? Trillium.ag online. They can they can email me. They can get in contact. There's a form to contact the company. I think unlike other companies, uh, we are we have an ear to the ground for growers' needs. Like I mentioned, some of our investors are growers, and I care deeply about their concerns and their and their what they want addressed. And you know, even though we're way up in the life cycle of the product development uh, uh, pathway, we can still have impact and we can put these best traits or these best needs forward in our products as we develop them and as they they work towards commercialization. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Todd, for joining me today. A lot to think about. Thank you, Christy. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links are provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, Telegram, Uh, The podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Listen Notes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like the episode, I would love it if you shared it. And have a good day. Did you know that at NorthAmericanAg.com, we are committed to providing valuable resources for farms and agribusiness. Find your next podcast in the Best of Ag podcast library. Delve into our on-demand webinar series, check out the latest in ag news, or treat yourself to a new hoodie or tea from our swag shop. Head over to our subscribe page to join our community and be the first to know about what's happening in the industry. North American Ag provides daily ag news and weekly podcasts covering ag tech, ag policy, new products, family, and faith. North American Ag gives farm families and ag professionals insight into what's happening in agriculture throughout North America ditch the mainstream media. Join North American Ag. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, You can bid with confidence, no buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar. That's northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar to register now.